I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 222 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, God Bless the USA is one of the best patriotic songs I've ever heard, second only to the national anthem in my book. And today's guest is none other than the First Class Father who wrote and recorded the song, Lee Greenwood will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. I had the honor of being interviewed on Fox & Friends yesterday, and it was such an awesome experience. I know that many of you tuned in. I received an overwhelming amount of messages from you listeners. I cannot say thank you enough for all of your kind words and encouragement. What a great way for me to spend Father's Day, to have the opportunity to spread the message of this podcast to such a huge audience. I hope everyone enjoyed their Father's Day, and welcome to all the new listeners out there. My downloads exploded yesterday as a result of my appearance on Fox & Friends. So if you are new to this podcast, this show celebrates fatherhood and family life. If you scroll through the archives of the show here of the last 200 episodes or so, you will see all the first-class fathers who have joined me on the podcast to share their fatherhood journeys, offer advice, and even open up about their parenting struggles. Whether you've been married for 30 years, you're a single dad, stepdad, whatever your circumstances are, there is a dad who's been on this show that has something valuable for you to take away. And while we are all in this together, there are no two fatherhood experiences that are identical. We all have different occupations and titles in life, but the role of father is a first-class title to hold, and it is one that I try to earn every day. So let's go, dads. Tomorrow on the podcast, former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson will be here, and his foundation is helping the victims of human trafficking, child trafficking, and so much more. So please, uh, don't miss out on that one. And if you get a chance, share this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to jump into the action right now with singer-songwriter Lee Greenwood. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a singer, songwriter, a country music artist who has released more than 20 albums. He has had over 35 singles hit the Billboard charts. He is the man behind one of the greatest patriotic songs ever recorded. It is a big privilege for me to say, Lee Greenwood, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. And thank you very much. Uh, That's that's an honorable uh, introduction. You know, I've always considered myself as a good dad. Uh, The jury's still out. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Well, I have children uh, from very uh, early in my life with uh, two or three failed marriages, and it wasn't until I found my wife, Kim, 
1989 that uh, you know I found a woman I really loved and and just made sure that I was a good father from then on. And we had children. Uh, we have two boys, and uh, we've been married 27 years. They are now 24 and 21, and doing great in college. So it's been an interesting journey because, and not until I found Kimberly that I really dedicate myself to family. Okay, very cool. And what type of uh, sports or activities were the boys into growing up? There wasn't much sports for them. Um, the one boy is a scientist. The other is uh, is a music major. Um, Parker, our younger boy who turns 21 in July, is at TCU. He's, he's a chancellor scholar. But he's the kind of kid that had a perfect science score in high school, perfect SAT score. The other son was also an actor and a and a and a singer in, in college and in high school, and was valedictorian of high school, went to WNL, Washington Lee in Virginia, for four years with a biochem major, and then went on pre-med and to Vanderbilt University, and now he's getting a PhD in cancer research, cancer biology. So both are artistic, but both have chosen different paths in their life, and throughout all of the times when we first had them, and I delivered both of the children uh, from my wife when uh, you know, I was in the birthing room to the point where they were toddlers and then uh, in school and all those years you were carpool mom and dad and then getting them out of high school and into college. It's been an interesting journey and I've, and I've loved all of it. Yeah, very well said. And what a talented family you have, Lee. If you could, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm born in California, born in Los Angeles, raised in Sacramento on a farm. My parents were divorced when I was a year old because my father joined the Navy and served in World War II, uh, also in the Merchant Marine. That left uh, my mother with uh, two young kids and, and tried to make a living during very hard times uh, during the war. So it was their problem, but I had a great uh, a home life with my grandparents, my, my mother's mother and father, and uh, it just didn't know that I didn't have anything. I mean, working on a farm and you know, washing your socks out and put them on the bathtub and so you have clean socks. I early on I would sell fruit and and uh and flowers to the Chinese market down the street and make enough money that I could buy my own clothes and graduated high school when I was sixteen and went straight to Nevada and start working in the casinos because my mother, one of the jobs she had was a musician and she played in the forties and so I kinda just took that path and I knew I wanted to do music from the very beginning. And when I left home, left the farm, I I was straight to Reno and then Vegas and worked in the casinos for almost 20 years before I had my country music career. So as you turn the page, you know, from from school years to the Vegas years to the Nashville years, it's been an interesting time where I could get a different perspective from all kinds of, uh, of views. Um, but not until I met my wife, Kim, did I really have a handle on, on life. Yeah, what an amazing journey you've had, Lee. And, and so how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, you know, if you, you spent enough time in Vegas, and those were my formative years. I went there when I was 17, left when I was 37. And you kind of learn a lot about survival. Um, it's the Greenfelt jungle. I dealt cards in the casinos for four years just to kind of get a taste of it. And, uh, and you learn how to survive. And it was, it's a basic instinct for me. As, a, as, as learning about business and putting music and business together where I would make sure that I had enough work for the band and I could also get in positions where I could be viewed by other acts and, uh, and, and kind of get your name out there because it takes an awful long time. But when I got to Nashville, Tennessee, and my career changed from pop, rock, and, um, and gospel music to basically country, 
it then it's a whole different bag. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot about the country. I learned about the South, and uh, which is kind of the heart of America for me. Um, I, I visited the, North, the Northeast cities and then back out to the West in traveling, and I did 300 days a year with my bus and trailer, and, and, and now we're... You know, we're a headliner, and I still travel by bus and trailer, but it's it's a different kind of life now because I can look at it from sort of the top down instead of from the bottom up. Good stuff, Lee. And what were some of the challenges of being in the music industry while being a dad? Did the children, uh, did they come with you when you were on tour? How did all that work? Yeah, it was from the very beginning when Dalton was born that I was touring an awful lot, and Kim had traveled with me for the first three years of our marriage, and when Dalton was born, he traveled with us on the bus for the next uh, two years. And then I opened up a theater in East Tennessee right near Dollywood, and we were there for five years. So our second son was born while I was at the theater. And so they pretty much knew the theater life for the first five, six years of their life. And then when they got into, uh, into grammar school, we moved back to Nashville. And then it was more of a normal kind of life where we lived near the school and, and took care of all of their personal needs no matter what it was. And they just were the perfect, you know, little citizens from the very beginning. And I, we always made sure that they understood that whatever we did, and my wife is a business person as well, it was a job, it was work. And, and kind of pushing away the celebrity part where uh, they would see it and get part of it, and it was exciting for them. But they knew it was a job. When Dad got on stage, it was a job. When my wife is a pageant director, former Miss Tennessee in 1989, and, and worked with USA uh, Miss Universe organization for the last 25 years, and it's a job for her. She would leave town for like five, six days, and the kids would know she's going to work. Not glamorous work, but it's still work. Yeah, good point. And how about discipline, Lee? What type of disciplinarian were you as a father? Um, as a disciplinarian, I, you know, I really didn't have to lay down the law too hard to our kids. They always respected our wishes. And we were blessed, I guess, in that regard. You know, the thing is, I think about kids, as long as you give them plenty of love and they make a little diversion from that, anything that they would do that didn't, dis- that didn't please you would actually hurt their feelings. And so you kind of just let that take its course. I, I never had to lay a hand on them. Um, I, I, you know, I, I got stern with them a couple of times when I was displeased. But, you know, if, when you disappoint your parents, and I went through that too as a kid, even with my grandparents, Knowing that I disappointed him crushed me. I mean, I just like, because they did so much for you. And so we did everything we could for our kids, but we, uh, we never laid out a red carpet. We knew, that, we knew to let them know that hard work will pay off for you. So dedicate yourself, and they've not disappointed us anywhere along the way. That's awesome, Lee. And I have four children myself. My daughter just graduated pre-K, and they had a little ceremony. And one of the songs that the kids sang was God Bless the USA, which is always a powerful moment when you hear it, especially to hear children singing it. Uh, So what was the genesis of the song, and how did you come about writing it? All right, it's time to get an important word from our sponsors, then back with more with Lee Greenwood. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Are you enjoying First Class Fatherhood? Did you know you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It may sound insane, but it's true. There is a free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Seriously, just go download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android, and if you use my special code, Fatherhood, you will get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. 
The more you listen, the more PodCoin you earn. And then you turn those PodCoins into gift cards for places like Amazon, Starbucks, or more. So go ahead and listen to this podcast on PodCoin and sign up using the code FATHERHOOD. It will change the way you listen to podcasts. Let's go, dads. Summertime is upon us here, and there is no better way to spend time with your kids this summer than to take them to a live event, whether that's out at the ball field, at a monster truck rally, or even a Broadway show. Buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and apply my code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save $20 off their ticket purchase. Get over to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and buy all your tickets for this summer's fun. Maybe you want to take them to their first concert. Go to SeatGeek.com and apply my code FIRSTCLASS, one word, FIRSTCLASS, and save $20 off your ticket purchase. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. And one of the songs that the kids sang was God Bless the USA, which is always a powerful moment when you hear it, especially to hear children singing it. Uh, so what was the genesis of the song, and how did you come about writing it? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a really a thorough question, because um, because I'm from California, I didn't, I didn't travel much until I got, you know, not even in the Nevada years did I tour much. Uh, pretty much just stayed in the state. Not till I got my country music career, which was in 1979, 1980, that I began touring the country. And I'd always had a desire to see more of it, and always had a desire to write a song from my heart about our country and about what it meant to me, and the unification of the coasts, you know, from the east to the west, the north and the south. And when I got a platform to deliver the song, I was at MCA for 14 years, just after my third or fourth album, and I was touring 300 days a year at that point, I went to my producer and I said, I think I'd like to make an album you know, with, with patriotic songs. I said, but I've got this song uh, that might be included in it. And we talked about it. It was a diversion from what radio liked from me, uh, the romantic songs about uh, uh, hurting and, 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 and sometimes wonderful relationships. But... He said, well, if you want to do this, we'll do this. But it was never slated for a single. And when we released the album, um, You Got a Good Love Coming, we already had a uh, a video of it. That was our fourth album released, I think, in 1985 or 84. And, uh, and for some reason, Universal picked that song up off the album and said, we want this to be radio. We want radio to hear this. And it really surprised me, uh, to tell you the truth, because not not only did I not want it to be a single, but I didn't think that branding myself that early in my career with patriotism would have been a good idea. But it turned exactly the opposite. Uh, as we released the song, radio fell in love with it. Um, we had several things along the way, of course, that boosted it to the top of the charts, as you know. It was three times number one in all charts in America uh, after, of course, the Gulf War, then Katrina, the, the attack on America. America reached out for something of a positive nature to build unity, and every time it went there. And you talk about your daughter and how parents teach their kids, grandparents teach their kids, kids, and uh, and pass this song down. It has become now in America's fiber as one of America's uh, anthems, and I sing it still all the time. And as you know, being from Jersey, I mean, I was right after the attack on America. I was there at the Yankee Stadium for the Fireman's Memorial, 2001 and then the Policeman's Memorial at Carnegie Hall, 
and then the fourth game of the World Series at Yankee Stadium. And that was just to build New York, but we toured for two years uh, with the First Lady, then all the military bases, encouraging the United States to get back to the unity. Yeah, Lee, it's one of the few songs that whenever I hear it, I get the, the hair standing up in the back of my neck, I get the goose pimples, the whole bit. And I love the fact that God is in the title, because in my opinion, Lee, the two greatest problems that we're facing right now in this country are the fatherless problem and also the fact that God has been removed from so much of our society. So um, have you ever received any restrictions on playing the song or any type of uh, negative feedback because of God being in the song? No, I haven't. And that, that's a good point, because... I remember when my father was in the Navy in World War II, and I didn't know it till I was 15 or 16, and I finally met him and understood his commitment to the country. If everyone, you know, like in Israel, if all of us had to serve in the military for a couple of years, three years, or four years, you'd understand more of the sacrifice that the military makes for our freedom. And so when I put the words, I'm proud to be an American, I also said I won't forget the men who died. Looking back on here we are just past the 75th anniversary of uh, the landing in Normandy, Normandy D-Day, and, and the greatest uh, generation of all that saved the world from, uh, from the evil axis and, and how much of a price we paid for it. So that when you, feel, and when you feel pride in yourself and you hear God Bless America or America the Beautiful sung by Ray Charles or my song, God Bless the USA, if you're not into that, if you don't have your heart beat a little faster for that, you're really not a patriot. You don't understand what America stands for. Yeah, I agree. And we just recently passed Memorial Day and the anniversary of D-Day. And it is those lyrics, we won't forget the men who died that really hit home. And, and I've been extremely blessed to interview so many veterans on the podcast here. In fact, I bring a Navy SEAL on just about every Friday for a Frogman Friday episode. I mean, I'm just humbled by all the sacrifices that have been made by the brave men and women of our military who are defending us around the world, even as we speak here. So uh, let me switch this back over to you here. Now, you've been doing this for such a long time, Lee, and the technology has changed drastically since you first came on the scene, uh, just in the way that we distribute music, the way we consume content and all that stuff. So how have you kind of adapted to all this technology? There are a lot of changes as far as mechanical, mechanically speaking. When I first started recording, it was like when the Frank Sinatra era uh, and they had tape and you would record on one track and the whole orchestra was on the other side. And then the Beatles came to this country and invented four track. And, and it's like, oh my gosh. But then they wanted to take two tracks for the drums. I was like, well, what, what about the other tracks, you know? And then they got eight tracks, 1632, and now with digital, just a, a, innumerable tracks. You can even email the track to somebody else. They put their part on it and email it back. So yes, technology has changed an awful lot. And I've always been the belief that in any musician's uh, uh, recording, any new technology in the hands of an artist can be a benefit. But if it's in, it's in the hands of somebody who's not an artist, it can be a tragedy, and it can turn out just terrible. So you, you just have to, to go by that axiom that as long as you have artistic approach to it and you know how to, how to manipulate it and don't let it manipulate you, it can be a great tool for recording. Now, as far as getting in the studio and recording myself, there was a little bit of difference in the technology and how it got better uh, th through your ears because you sing what you hear. And, uh, and as long as I could hear better, I could sing better and deliver what I needed to deliver. A lot of the pictures that you see of artists in studios are like they're holding a headphone away from their ears. Somewhere like that. that's, not gonna, that's not reality because the headphone would feed back into the microphone. You have to cover up your ears entirely in order to hear that sound. 
And that is, that's a different world. I'm a scuba diver as well, and it's a different world to close your sense off. One of the senses you have that really is good for us as a human being is, of course, hearing. I mean, and then, you, then if you close off your hearing and all you're hearing is what's coming through the headphones, you rely a little bit more on sight and feel and emotions. That, that's always going to be the same. I mean, that, that will never change. From the time when Nat King Cole first sang and, and today's recordings of some of the major stars, your manipulation in the studio may depend upon your experience more than anything, and I try to stay in the studio as much as I can. Very cool. And I believe you said there that, you know, one of your children, at least, is studying music. Uh, did they show interest in doing your style of music, or do they have their own style, and do they enjoy listening to your music? Well, um, twofold question. Um, actually, when my boys used to do homework around the house, and they're not too far from my office where they sit at the desk, I would listen to their headphones occasionally say, what are you listening to? And it would be anywhere from old uh, Dean Martin to, uh, to my music. Uh, from Kanye West to uh, Whitney Houston. I mean, it just it just didn't really matter. They listened to a variety of things. As, as, and as far as, um, as my son Parker, who is the real music student, both of them had music in their life from the time they were very young. I'd say seven, eight, or nine, just like you or anybody else who's, a, who's in a, a layman and appreciate music. They also appreciated music, and some of mine, but they, they were much more varied in the artists that they appreciated. Uh, Parker, our 21-year-old, uh, who will be 21 in July, was a musical theater uh, scholar at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. He has two more years. He switched his major to musical composition, so he's going to write music for video games and motion pictures, and uh, he'll currently be going to San Diego and to Palomar and have a workshop with some of the L.A. greats. So he's he's immersed in that. The other student still sings, and he sings uh, not just in the in the choir at church, but uh, they have outside activities they sing at somewhat. So, and my wife is also, by the way, a singer. She sang in in college, and uh, but not professionally. Yeah. Okay. That's good stuff. And Lee, you have performed in some incredible venues, at just some amazing places. Is is there a favorite performance or place that you've had here over the years? Um, it's really hard to measure. Uh, performance on an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf with a performance at the White House or Yankee Stadium compared to um, a packed theater somewhere. One of my favorite venues, and I've played Vegas for 20 years in all of the major showrooms uh, and lounges because it was I had some very magic moments further. I'm playing piano bar at the Tropicana in the Atrium Lounge or, uh, or at Caesars Palace opening up for Paul Anka. I think there's a place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the Hard Rock called The Joint. It's one of the most fabulous inside arenas and, and theaters. It's plush, it's beautiful, and, uh, and they, they make every artist feel perfectly comfortable. They're technology smart, and, and that's a favorite venue of mine. But if you're going to talk about um, performing outdoors, you know, it could be anywhere. There, there's, uh, there's places you can put 25,000 people in it, like at Bonnaroo here in Tennessee, uh, or some of the, the Rolling Thunder shows in uh, in Arizona and Minnesota, but it just depends. You know, if you if you feel like you're reaching the public and you're entertaining them, for me that's more important. But I do like to do artistic shows with small audiences, like let's say James Taylor, uh, because I consider myself sort of contemporary in country music. So it's it's hard to to say which venue I might like, but I have a lot of favorites. 
Yeah, and you have been crushing it for so long here. What type of uh, goals or plans do you have for yourself for the future here? What's next for you, Lee? Um, I've outlived the copyright at Universal with all of the music that I wrote over the past 35 years. I'm releasing a 20-song CD later this year uh, of some re-recorded songs and some brand-new songs. And I'm, re- I'm doing that because I will own the copyrights and the master's recordings for the first time in my life. And, you know, if people win the American Idol, you know that they have to sign a contract. They sign over for 10 years to American Idol. They own most of everything they get. And so I've been blessed to be able to keep, to keep singing. And now the product that I'll release that will be uniquely mine uh, will also pay off revenue for me. So I have that in the works. My wife and I will probably travel a little more than, uh, than we have in the past. We, as I said, we still have a kid in college for two more years. When Dalton gets his Ph.D. at Vanderbilt, uh, he may move to a different kind of location and be a financial consultant. So we're just sort of waiting to see what, what the world will bring us. But uh, I have no fear about the future, and, uh, and I have no, uh, no desire to quit what I do. Yeah, I love that philosophy, Lee. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Well, we're all going to have the same challenge as fathers. We are, number one, supposed to be the breadwinner. Now, in many families, the women actually are the breadwinner, but I'd say it's still 80% men that have the more lucrative job because they plan for that. Women sort of the planners for the family. They know they're probably going to have children. They want to establish a secure location for their family. So it's a different kind of way to look at it. So for a guy, you want to make sure that you balance family and don't miss the early years. Because as the kids grow up, you only have one shot at that. And, And when you see your little kids, you know, doing well in school, and and you hear their voice, Daddy, Daddy, hi, how are you? Welcome home, you know, and you give that, that you know, don't miss those opportunities, even though work may be challenging, and you're going to have to give up some sleep to do all of the things that kids demand from you as they get older through grammar school and junior high school and high school. You're still going to reap the rewards of showing them the love and the dedication because that's the way you spell um, uh, uh, L-O-V-E. You spell it T-I-M-E. Well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Lee Greenwood, you are a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Awesome. Thank you, man. All right. I'm back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Lee Greenwood for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. Locking in for tomorrow, former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson will be stopping by. Wednesday, we got a Hollywood stuntman who is a first class father as well, Aiden Stay will be here with me. And then Thursday, we're going to have an actor who plays TTD in HBO's Ballers, Carl McDowell. And then Friday, of course, we are going to have a Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Former Navy SEAL John Allen will be here to close out the show. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your head.
Thank you.